the biggest imprint in your life, the biggest imprint in my life, comes from what we receive or what we don't receive from our parents. And every single one of us uh, long for our parents' blessing. That's what we want. And that blessing is this odd mix of love and acceptance, all kind of woven together and presented to us in such a way that it says to us, you're valuable, you matter. Uh, There were aspects of my childhood that left me unsure for a season of my parents' blessing. I remember at age 17, 18, 19 years old, uh, and I was looking for it. And uh, I did what some people do in the absence of that or confusion about it. Uh, I became driven. I was a perfectionist. And so uh, six A's and one A minus wasn't good enough. I mean, as far as my parents were concerned, it was great, okay? But you know, I was out to prove something, or Allstate band wasn't good enough, or that letter jacket I wore several weeks ago that had all the chevrons from all the A's over the years, and I was driven and driven, and I wanted to show, and it was as if I was wanting to say to the world, hey, I'm valuable, I matter, only it was a struggle on the inside, had nothing to do with anybody else. My brother the exact opposite of me. Brent could have cared less whether it was an A, a B. I mean, they were just letters. What? Grades? Huh? School? <laughs> In fact, the only letter jacket he wore was mine after I went to college and he got it all dirty. <laughs> and gave it back dirty. Brent, you should have washed it. Oh, it's not my letter jacket. But he was looking for it too. See, you're no different. You're no different than my brother or me. Uh, every single one of us has gone through life looking for that blessing from our parents. And for some of us, we grew up in the home where we were the fat one or the dumb one, and our brother or sister was the smart one or the fast one. Some of us grew up in homes where it was unpredictable. One day, mom and dad were thrilled. We were going to Disney World. The next day, get in your room! And it was just one or the other. And it always, we always felt a little off balance, and the unpredictability meant that we didn't receive a blessing. For others of us, We were just abandoned, whether it was divorce, mom or dad just didn't make it over the long haul, or one of them died, or one of them just outright deserted the family. And so we were only left with one parent, and we felt abandoned. And therein, there wasn't a blessing that was given. Why would I talk about this today in the middle of this series? Because there's a good chance that in your upbringing, in your childhood, that instead of receiving a blessing, what you got was a curse. And the reason that's important is because God intended for families to be the vehicle by which unconditional love is shown. So that as a kid, when you receive that unconditional love from your parents, you have an inkling of what it's like to be loved by a heavenly father who loves you unconditionally. But see, we we get messed up because what we've received often isn't what God intended. And it's because of sin and brokenness and all the stuff that goes with it, but we end up with separation, with despair, with dysfunctionality and distance in our human relationships, and then that gets carried over in our relationship with God. Last week, we talked about the church, and we said that if, if you, at the risk of oversimplification, if you could condense the role of the church to one word, it would be light. The role of the church is to turn on a light switch and show the world who God is. If we could condense family to one idea, it would be this. Family is a place for the heart. The role of a family 
is to show children and to show the world what it's like to receive unconditional love so that those people, when they become grown-ups or old enough, can have open arms and an open life to their Heavenly Father who loves them unconditionally. But again, all too often in our homes, what happens is uh, love has got strings attached or it's conditional or it's not even given the way it should. Um, one of the things that I get to do for fun is that I get to teach uh, adjunct at Asbury College. And uh, I teach a class on group dynamics, which is basically how people work together. It's kind of fun. One of the assignments that I give my class is this assignment right here. I will tell them, I want each of you to take five minutes in class, and I want you to share one obstacle that you've overcome or that you're working to overcome in your life. You know, I want you to think of two or three obstacles that you faced, and I want you to come to class and do a five-minute presentation to the class on this obstacle and how you overcame it or, or how you're trying to overcome it. And I'll give them a couple of examples. I'll say, for example, uh, maybe when you were three or four years old, <clears throat> you lost your pinky finger in an accident, but you learned how to play the piano. And there you were, okay? Or maybe you were dyslexic, okay? Maybe you were dyslexic and you went on to become the editor of your college newspaper, and your college newspaper was the Harvard Gazette, okay? So think of something and share it. This assignment has turned out to be one of the most uh, tear-evoking and raw and uh, momentous moments in this class. Because to this date, every single student, even though I give examples like losing a pinky or being dyslexic, every student will talk about their family. The obstacle that they want to share has to do with the obstacle of family. Every single one of them, without fail to this date, every student does it. And we all have a good cry together, and, and, and we go on, and every class will say some version of the same thing. You know, because I do the uh, Achieve program, and by the time I get them, they've been together a year and a half, every Tuesday night for a year and a half, and they think they know each other. After that night, they'll always say things like, I never knew. I didn't know that about you. Holy cow. It's a whole new understanding. It's a whole new level of appreciation. If you're here today and you gained a blessing from your parents, I want you to hang on, and I want you to be patient. Next week, this, this message is actually... Uh, the first of a two-part uh, uh, message really about warm hearts, what it means to give and receive unconditional love. Um, and I want you to hang on because what I'm going to talk about today might very well help you understand better uh, your spouse or your boss or the guy who lives next door. Now, if you're here today and you're like the rest of us and there was a part of growing up or whatnot that you didn't receive the full blessing that God intended for you to receive, then uh, I, I want to talk about what you and I can do. And then secondly, I want to plant a seed of hope. And the seed of hope is this. I believe God can take that curse or that lack and turn it into a blessing in your life. I believe he can. I know he can. And I want to wade into that today. This problem is not new. This is not American. This is not a modern problem. This is an old-time thing. It goes back many, many millennia. Uh, it's not limited to culture or time. If you brought a Bible, I want you to open it to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis, and we're going to be exclusively in chapter 27 today. Genesis chapter 27. 
And we're going to be looking at two brothers, twins, Esau and Jacob. If you've never read the book of Genesis as an adult, it's a good exercise because you're flipping and reading about these people, these fathers and sons and mothers and daughters and husbands and wives, and you're, you get to a certain point and you go, you did what? You said that? I can't believe, and God was working in that? You are so messed up. It's all over Genesis, okay? But here in chapter 27, we have a, a big moment in the life of Esau and Jacob. Two brothers, they were twins, and I want to give you a little bit of the backstory. Esau was the firstborn. Uh, the Bible tells us that he was hairy. He was a redheaded man. He was a lover of the sport, and he was a lover of the hunt. Now, there were a couple of things that maybe tarnish Esau a little bit. One is, uh, on a day when he had been out on a hunt, he was just starving. He sold his birthright to his brother. Now, his birthright was simply this. In this culture, the way that they would dole out an inheritance, stuff, money, cattle, tents, okay, is that if you were the oldest, you got twice as much as all your brothers or sisters, Okay, so let's say that your mom and dad or, you know, your, your parents are now deceased and there was a $100,000 estate and you and, and your sister were the only the children. If you were the oldest, you would get 66000 Your brother or sister would only get 33000 <gasps> Isn't that sweet? Twice as much. Okay, that's the way it worked. Well, Esau sold that to his brother for a pot of stew. Good deal? No. <laughs> But he did. He was really hungry, okay? Then there's this other thing that he did. He married a woman outside the tribe. His parents didn't approve of the marriage. And not only did he do it once, he did it twice. He did that. But still, Esau was the firstborn. Now, Jacob, on the other hand, Jacob was as different from his brother as night is from day, okay? Jacob was a homebody. He was mama's favorite. And he was the thinker of the guys growing up in that household. And so here sets, sets it up for Genesis chapter 27. When Isaac was old, that's the dad, when Isaac was old and almost blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son? Yes, father, Esau replied. I'm an old man now, Isaac said, and I expect every day to be my last. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows out into the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare it just the way I like it so it's savory and good. And bring it to me uh, here for me to eat. And then I will pronounce my blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. Isaac lets his son Esau know, this, the moment's here. I'm going to pass on my blessing to you. Now, in this culture, in this tradition, this was a big deal. Uh, a, a family blessing like this was saved for a very special occasion, and often it would be saved until later in life, when, you're, when, the, when the kids were grown and old and could understand it. Um, and in the Old Testament, in this context, there were two parts to this blessing. There was God's stuff that had to do with God's protection, God's favor, God's success, and then there was relational stuff that had to do with love and acceptance, and it was all kind of woven together in this thing called a blessing. And so Isaac says, I'm going to give you my blessing. So go, go hunt this thing, prepare this dish for me. And uh, the funny thing is, 
Isaac's going to give it to Esau. Now, in a few chapters earlier, uh, Isaac and his wife are told by a prophet of God that Jacob should get the special blessing, not his older brother Esau. So is, is Isaac trying to take God's stuff into his own hands? The Bible doesn't tell us. But it does tell us that Isaac's wife, Rebekah, takes matters into her own hands. If you know the story, you know what happens next. Rebekah hears her husband say this to her oldest son and calls her favorite in. Jacob, Jacob, come here, come here. Here's what I want you to do. Your father's about to give the blessing. Take some goats, get them killed. I'll prepare his favorite stew. We'll get some of your brother's clothes. We'll put hair on your arms and on your neck so that if he feels, because, you know, dad can't see anymore. He can't smell or taste anything. I don't even know why he wants to stew, but you go in and you get that blessing. Well, here's the funny thing. Verse 11, this is what Jacob says, but mom, he won't be fooled that easily. Think how hairy Esau is and how smooth my skin is. What if my father touches me? He'll, he'll know I'm trying to kick, trick him, and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. In other words, Look, Mom, okay, I'm, I'm in for this, but if this thing goes south, I'm toast. Dad's going to be hacked off, and instead of getting the younger son blessing, I'm going to get a curse, and that's far worse. I don't want that. And so she makes this promise. If that happens, if this thing goes south, if he figures it out, I'll take the curse. You'll be off scot-free. Well, they, they, uh, they go and they execute this plan, And then that's where we pick it up in verses 18 and following. Jacob carried the platter of food to his father and said, My father, yes, my son, he answered. Who is it, Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, It's Esau, your older son. I've done as you told me. Here's the wild game. Cook the way you like it. Sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, How are you able to find it so quickly, my son? Well, because the Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. And then Isaac said to Jacob, come over here. I, I want to touch you uh, and make, make sure that you're Esau. The voice is Jacob's, and, and Isaac touched him. But the hands are Esau's, he said. But he did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau. So Isaac pronounced his blessing on Jacob. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. Okay, that's three times. Yes, of course, Jacob replied. Okay, three times. Dad is suspicious. He's old. He's frail. Clearly, his eyesight has failed. Three times, Jacob uh, foisted this deception on his dad. Well, Esau comes home, right? And that's where we pick it up. Verse 30, as soon as Isaac had blessed Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunting trip. Which sibling would you like to be now? Esau prepared his father's favorite meat dish and brought it to him and then said, I'm back, father. I have the wild game. Sit up and eat it that you can give me your blessing. But Isaac replied, who are you? I'm Esau. And the Bible says that Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably because he realized he's been tricked. And here's the kicker. And I want to read you three things that Esau does. Verse 34. When Esau understood what had happened, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, Father, bless me too. Verse 36. Esau said bitterly, 
No wonder his name is Jacob. Jacob can also mean deceiver or trickster. And then verse 38, Not one blessing left for me, O Father, bless me too. And then Esau broke down and wept. Is he weeping because he's not going to get twice as many cattle? This has nothing to do with the birthright that he sold. This has nothing to do with the double portion of being the older son. This has to do with the relational aspects and some God aspects of this blessing that he missed, that he didn't get from his father. And see, here's the thing. As a pastor, I run into far too many people who have not received a blessing from their parents. And so they're, they're tripped up in how they're able to give and receive unconditional love. Um, I want to share a few households, and maybe one of these describes yours. John Trent says there's a lot of different ways to make it into adulthood and not get the blessing that God wants you to have. Um, And John Trent says uh, the first is the flood or drought household, flood or drought, and that's Jacob or Esau. Flood or drought works this way. You're sitting at the family table, you're the fat one, you're the dumb one, whatever category applies to you, and literally two seats over is, the, is, is your parent's son or daughter that could do no wrong. They're the perfect one. And they're in, literally two seats over you. There's the flood of blessing, but where you sit, it's parched and dry. That's a big thing to carry on into adulthood, isn't it? And sometimes it's just as hard when you're the one who's blessed because it's so unfair and it's so not right. Just because you were older, just because you were the son that your dad wanted, I mean, what's that all about? And these, it's very easy to grow up being the one that's blessed and be angry at mom and dad because of what they did to your brother or sister. So there's a flood or drought home. There's another kind of home where a blessing is withheld, and that's the just out of reach home. Um, think of my three-year-old daughter and putting like candy, her favorite thing on the top shelf of the bookshelf. Now, Maddie, she's a monkey. She'll climb the bookshelf, but most kids are like, that's too high. I can't reach it. Okay. The just out of reach home works like this. Hey, son, I, I noticed you've got uh, six A's there. That's really great, but uh, can you, I want to talk to you about this A minus. What's that all about? Or the game, the big game where, you know, you miss that one rebound but you got like 20 points in the game and what does dad want to talk about what's going on with the rebounding there boom a blessing is withheld there's another kind of home where a blessing is exchanged for a burden okay and in this kind of home uh if you were abused instead of getting a blessing from your parents what you got was a burden placed on you another way this can work out is if uh your mom or dad uh try and control you uh the way it will work is this. Instead of a blessing, you get a burden. In other words, you do everything I want and everything I say. You go to the school that I say you're going to go to. You dress the way I say you should dress. You do all this stuff. And if you do all these things, I'm happy with you. We're in like Flynn. I'm going to bless you. My, you know, the sun of my parental you know, universe will shine upon you. But if you do one thing you want that's not what I want, you're toast. There's another kind of home, the unyielding tradition home. Uh, This is where dad was a plumber, I'm a plumber. Guess what you're going to be, son? A rocket scientist? No. (laughs) Grab the wrench. (laughs) You don't need a wrench working at NASA, son. Okay? In Jenny's uh, family's church back home, there was uh, 
one of her friends, his dad was a doctor, and he was going to be a doctor too. I would, I, I, I'm glad I was not in that home the day that he came home to say, Dad, I'm going to be an opera singer. Yeah. Okay? Unyielding traditions. There's another kind of home, the half-blessing home. And half-blessing home works if your parents got divorced, you only had half a parent around. Uh, John Trent says it this way, in the typical divorce scenario, in the first year, a dad will see his kids every week and lavish them with gifts and attention. And it hacks off the mom who usually has custody of the kids and can't afford on her limited income to do that for the kids. But usually by the third year, dad has only seen his kids once a month or less. Um, if, if, you're, if one of your parents just out and right abandoned you or died, or walked out and deserted. That's a half-blessing home, okay? In all of those home scenarios, it's easy to become a grown-up and have become a grown-up not having received a blessing. So, so what do you do, right, okay? And if, and if what I'm talking about is resonating on the inside, first of all, I understand why you would be mad or mad at your parents, but hold on for, for a moment, okay? Hold on for a moment. If you grew up in a home where you didn't secure a blessing, I want to suggest a few things. And here's what I want to suggest. First of all, be honest. Be honest with yourself, okay? You know, the whole pushing it aside and pretending as though it never happened doesn't work. It just doesn't work in, in, in life. And so you need honesty for you, okay? So that's the first thing, be honest. And it may be that if you can get to a point where you forgive your parents, and here's the key, where you forgive your parents, that God might orchestrate an opportunity for you to sit down and be honest with them. I remember a friend who had to sit down with their parents, and it was the flood or drought scenario. Uh, they were the blessed child. Their sibling was the one that, you know, was the fat, dumb one, whatever, okay? And, and uh, they had forgiven their, their mom and the dad, and I remember the coaching that went ha- before they had the sit-down. And it was amazing. You know, mom, dad, I just, you know, this has been something I've carried with me. And, I, and they were very, you know, we walked through how to, how to have that conversation. And uh, she said her parents, literally their face, it was like her mom, it was like a dam broke. And her mom was like, you know, we wondered how you kids were receiving. And that's not, and so the net, two days later, they brought in the sibling, had the same conversation. Do you know how much better Christmas is now? You know how much better Thanksgiving is now? It's just huge, the difference, okay? But I understand that not all of us can get to that point, okay? But sometimes it can happen, all right? The second thing I want you to do is I want you to try and understand your parents' background because parents who don't bless often didn't get a blessing themselves, right? You saw that in the film clip with Gil, you know, my dad, okay, <laughs> right? It would, if you're here today and you're a teenager, this is an assignment I want to give you. Talk to your aunts and uncles and cousins and find out everything that you can about your parents' childhood. Why would you do this? Because, see, you think of your parents as this big source of blessing and cursing in your life and everything else, and, you know, it's kind of like the sun in your universe and you're pushing against it or pulling it away from it and it's all this funky stuff, but you start to hear some of the stories from a different perspective. What happens is you get empathy. Um, and I know my mom and dad are here, and 
I'll tell you, the times when I gained an appreciation for them were hearing from my dad's sister, Aunt Sammy, talk about what it was like for dad when he was a kid, when he had to pop around on crutches, or what it was like for my mom hearing it from Uncle Benny or her stepsister, Carol, about what it was like uh, for mom growing up. And what it did for me is it welled up a huge bucket load of empathy, and it changed the relational dynamic, okay? So that's the second thing. And the third thing is I want you to simply be open to the possibility that God could take this curse and turn it into a blessing. Here's, here's the good news. Chances are you're doing, if you're a parent, chances are you're doing a better job than your parents did, right? There's a good chance that's the case. In fact, in fact, it's probably true that your parents did a better job than their parents. Now, this isn't always the case, but here's the really good news. If you're open to God turning the curse into the blessing, your kids have the potential to give their kids, your grandkids, a clearer, fuller, brighter picture of what unconditional love is like. Wouldn't that be cool? That would be huge. And the goal, again, if you're a parent, the goal isn't perfection. I challenge you to read through this book, the Bible, and give me 10 examples of good parenting. Go ahead. I double-dog dare you. Family's huge. It's important. But find me 10, 10 good ones in there. Noah, Noah had a drinking problem. Abraham, well, Abraham offered his wife to another man. What about Jacob, the guy that got the blessing? His sons turned around and sold their brother into slavery. What about David, the man after God's own heart? He had an affair and his son started a rebellion. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Find me 10. You can't. Parent, the people in this book are messy. Reggie Joyner puts it this way. He says, the goal of parenting isn't perfection. The goal, the goal is to give your kids a front row seat to the grace and goodness of God. Let me give you an example of how this works. Um, my middle child is having some uh, time temporal issues in the morning, mostly like getting anywhere on time, okay? I need and want to be places on time, okay? So we've been butting heads, okay? And I know I've, my anger level's been excessive, and it's been stress and running to the hospitals and all this stuff, but this week in the car, I turned to her and I said, you know what? Dad's blown it lately in the car. I've been way too angry. Here's why. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't treat you that way. Do you know what? You, you are absolutely amazing. I'm so lucky to have a daughter like you. And you know, literally, she's like this in the car. Her whole body turns, her arms unfold, and it presented an opportunity for me to pass on a spoken blessing. We're going to talk about some specific things you can do next week about how to pass on blessing. Uh, but there it is. I'm not perfect. My parents weren't perfect. Your parents weren't perfect. Your kids aren't going to be perfect. But what if we gave our kids a front row seat to the grace and goodness of God? And here's the question I want to pose today. What if God can take the curse that you received and exchange it for a blessing? What if it's the case that God wants to do that so that his grace and goodness can be on display for everyone in your family, for the people in your life, so that when they look at you, they go, man, God's amazing. If you're a parent... God wants to use you to show unconditional love to your kids so that when they become adults, they know what it's like to have a Heavenly Father who loves them unconditionally. For all of us, 
God wants us to learn and how to give and receive unconditional love so that the next generation, the generation coming up after us, will trust God with their hearts 